Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. And this is Abby Martin. Hello. And we're live in person again. We're live we're in Oaktown. We're doing Oak a Thanksgiving Town. marathon. Yeah, Thanksgiving marathon here. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for all the feedback on the last episode. It was really great to see uh, what you guys had to say. And um, thanks for listening to Media Roots Radio. We thought that we wanted to, you know, there's so much more to say and we didn't really get a chance to go over everything that we wanted to. So we wanted to do a quick follow-up before I bounce back to L.A. Yeah, I mean... There's just so much shit to talk about. Um, when we released our last podcast, we had to cut it short. And uh, one of the responses we got is, can you talk about Saudi Arabia, Yemen, and all the foreign policy stuff that's going on right now? And we didn't have a chance to talk about it, but um, it's definitely very interesting and scary and precarious what seems to be going on over there. And it's also very confusing. And, you know, this so-called purge that's been happening, um, you know, and there's, as we know, um, and we've talked about on the podcast for a while now, is there's been a, a, basically a massacre going on between Saudi Arabia and Yemen, where Saudi Arabia is basically using sophisticated American weaponry to basically commit genocide in Yemen. Cholera there, uh, is a huge problem there right now because of all the destruction that's taken place. So it's a horrible situation it's, it's a, actually like the largest humanitarian disaster in the world right now. Yeah. There's like tens of millions of people who are on the brink of starvation and death, even according to the UN, which is a big deal for the UN to come out and say, this is going to happen. Um, and, a, and like what you're saying, I mean, Saudi Arabia has already bombed the bridges. They've bombed hospitals, schools, um, food production facilities. They, they specifically target humanitarian um you know, efforts that are bringing in food and aid to people who are starving. Before this happened, Yemen was already the poorest country in the Middle East and already imported 70% of everything into the country. So you can imagine how much it relies on ports and air support to bring in um, this kind of stuff. And of course, you know, last week, Saudi Arabia bombed the airport in Sana'a. And so everyone's saying, hold on, um, now we actually cannot bring any aid to people and people are dying. I mean, there's so many people dying every day that you see these photos and it just looks like Holocaust victims in concentration camps. And, um, you know, for there's also Samantha Power, who has been notoriously silent on this forever in terms of the U.S. role. And then basically it just came out that her top spokesperson, Hagar Chamali, is like working on behalf of the UAE or whatever, some of these like entities to basically just discredit humanitarian efforts to expose how bad it is on the ground. And we already know it's one of the most closed off war zones. I tried to look into going and it is almost impossible for journalists to even get to Yemen to report on the ground. That's how closed off it is. So she is now working hard to undermine criticisms of the war. This is an intercept article. She's being paid lavishly to basically discredit people who are exposing it. So who go wrote, on. Do you remember who wrote the Intercept article? No, well, I'm, you yep. know, just check it out. Just look up Ch- Hagar Chamali on Intercept and you can check it out. Well, that's, I mean, that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who's listened to our podcast for long enough is that people who have these jobs in the State Department or in the White House or in the Pentagon who are basically doing their spokespeople um, and, you know, they essentially are just running PR flank for whatever bad shit the government's doing and have someone like Samantha Power getting out of office of her official role in government after leaving the Obama administration and to be lavishly paid 
to shill for Saudi Arabia and to downplay the destruction. I mean, it's kind of business as usual in D.C., unfortunately. Um, and it's just really sad how these people barely get called out. I mean, it's just such a huge problem. And so many people do this that it's almost like become normalized. I mean, like it's acceptable now, you know, to have someone like Mike Morell going around acting like he's a cybersecurity expert on TV and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's really it's really unfortunate. And the, yeah, and right on the heels of Saudi Arabia allowing women to drive, I love how randomly it's like you know, like the worst country in the world for women, and then they're just like, hey, don't worry about Yemen. Guess what, guys? Like yeah. women can drive now. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, oh yay! And New York Times is doing these glowing exposés on this prince mm-hmm. saying that there's a, an Arab Spring from the top down this mm-hmm. time, not from the bottom up. This is a special Arab Spring. You want to talk about the purge and what you think it means? Yeah, I mean, I I really don't know what it means, and I don't think most people do either, except it does seem to be, there is a spin in the mainstream media making it seem like it's done as like some anti-corruption purge, that this prince is cleaning house, and he's like some sort of revolutionary, which is laughable because his rhetoric on things like Yemen and uh, Iran, Hezbollah, um, he's extremely crazy, aggressive bully. I mean, like it doesn't line up his actual behavior and like the things he said before this purge and his attitude towards other Middle Eastern countries, the polar opposite of acting like he's some kind of anti-corruption. Other than the New York Times guy. expose, I, I did hear that a lot. But then now that I was reading a bunch of articles, even like Business Insider, Financial Times, like no one's even saying that. And they're mm-hmm. all saying it's kind of a joke to even suggest that this has to do with corruption. It is clearly a power consolidation measure yeah. to um, to just hone in on, on his closest allies. And basically, I mean, what is crazy about it is that even somewhere like Saudi Arabia with this tight knit royal family can just like purge all these people who are actual princes. Yeah. It's this, almost like this, a game of Thrones esque like thing. Yeah. He's 32 years old. This guy, Mohammed bin Salman, um, he arrested and he was basically obscure three years ago, rose to power really quickly, arrested 11 princes, four officials, tens of former officials, um, and it's just a joke. I mean, other than, of course, Thomas Friedman with his hagiography, uh, having steak with, with Salman in Dubai or whatever the fuck they were. Um, other than him, no one thinks that this is, has anything to do with corruption. They all really realize that this is about removing any potential opposition as he pushes forward actually a more controversial reform yeah. agenda in the country. Well, it was funny because, I mean, maybe I'm sure that's probably the narrative now, but when it first happened, yeah, totally. they were like, it kind of made him look like he was like some sexy, like Justin <laughs> Trudeau, like revolutionary guy. Like it was like they were presenting him like, look at this fresh faced guy who's like coming into clean house. I mean, that's a, and I, and it, and it was like, <laughs> I remember thinking like, well, that's obviously not true. And then, yeah, the narrative sort of changed. Um, but a lot of the stories I remember when it initially happened were like, we don't know, like it yeah. was basically like, we don't know what's going on in Saudi Arabia, which is always interesting when something like that happens in the mainstream media, because, you know, our experience looking at mainstream media propaganda is that usually they always have like an answer or a narrative like locked in. And this wasn't really in place when this happened. It was like, they didn't know how to respond to it. They didn't know how to cover it. And the one, one of the more interesting people that got caught up in these mass arrests, um, this supposed house cleaning that barely got any coverage in the mainstream media is an actual, was the Saudi Arabian ambassador to the United States, 
Bandar Bush, who was nicknamed by George W. Bush, given a, the Bush family surname. And he has an extremely corrupt history, funneled billions of dollars in kickbacks for arms deals in Saudi Arabia, was involved in financial scandals. He was involved in Iran-Contra. He's like a classic, like, dirty as fuck, like some guy that's been protected somehow all this time. And the thing that probably is the most obscure about him, which is almost the most devastating, is that two of the hijackers that apparently were involved in 9-11 had funding directly traced back to one of his, like, shell charities. And when he was confronted about it on Meet the Press by Tim Russert, he is clearly lying about it and and he seems guilty as fuck like i don't know if he was directly involved in planning the 9-11 attacks but when you watch this tim russer meet the press interview wow like maybe this guy did have a direct hand in funding or helping these hijackers and wow how weird is it that he's literally given a bush family surname and just nobody gives a shit and then he just gets mysteriously arrested in this purge and then we just don't hear about it we're like are the saudis worried he'll talk I mean, he probably has a lot of skeletons that if they, you know, he let him out could really cause a lot of damage there and even to the U.S. government. So, I mean, I don't think someone like him will talk. He's obviously got like way too many connections. Yeah, again, Saudis have been used as proxies to do a lot of crazy stuff. And um, why, again, why would the U.S. government remain um, such close allies with uh an entity that basically helped fund the biggest terrorist attack that's ever taken place on American soil. It's extremely interesting. Yeah, and it can't just be because, I mean, one of the more prevailing reasons that people think that is is because they have so much invested in our economy. Like, Well, then that, that should alone, that should upset people, right? Well, I know, but I mean, remember Fahrenheit 9-11? Yeah. That was like one of the main points of it. It's like, well, if Saudi Arabia decided to protest against the United States and pull out all their money, like our economy would crash. Right. Which is like, okay, but I mean, I don't really, I don't, that still doesn't make sense because most of those people are just businessmen. They don't, they don't like have some kind of ideological right. drive. They're just rich assholes like any other rich asshole. Just want power or money. So Prince Al Alwalid, he's another guy who was arrested. He is, he has stakes in Twitter, Apple, Citigroup, and News Corp. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. I mean, that and, and Michael Moore was right in that movie. If you go back and watch it, that's one of the things. I mean, there's some pretty devastating facts in that movie, you know, as much as it glosses over a lot of important details. Like, that's one that really does drive home is that even if Saudi Arabia was the primary, like, nation state that was behind 9 11, they, can't, they cannot be touched, was sort of the mm -hmm. narrative of that movie. Mm -hmm. um, and also the bin Laden family. I mean, they're Saudi Arabian. Even they were protected. I mean, and that was in Fahrenheit 9-11 also. Just so we forget all these things that like, it's like, wow, like the Bush family literally protected the Bin Laden family and let them fly out of the country when no one else was allowed to fly. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see what happens with this. But what's more, most disturbing is that it does seem like this is just going to be, that we're inching closer to some kind of like Saudi Arabia drawing the U.S. or other nations in the region into like more of a crazy conflict. Yep, with Iran, like Iran and, and Israel is involved too. And yeah. I, I think, again, I just saw that Prince Mateb bin Abdullah, who is the overlord of the National Guard of Saudi Arabia. I mean, this could actually be that they want to even be more brutal about the Yemen and more aggressive about, you know, externalizing its foreign policy and militarism. So we, this could be very bad, this crackdown on the inner family from this prince. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's probably, it just seems like there's some, I don't know. I mean, it would be like, like, I would be really scared if all of a sudden, like, Trump own people or say like if we had a monarchy here and just like our own government started arresting like half of our own government i'd be like oh fuck dude like yeah, yeah. some really bad shit's about to happen like this is really dangerous and i think you could apply the same thing to saudi arabia because they're so powerful and this is something that's not talked about ever but there's there's been a lot of rumors for a long time that saudi arabia has nuclear weapons and it's actually kind of incomprehensible to think that they like they don't have nuclear weapons. Like a country that powerful, who's that much of like a key world player, that you know, um, it, it's interesting that you know, like how does Pakistan and India openly have nuclear weapons, but Saudi Arabia doesn't? Or like, have they, has it sort of been discovered? Like, I have to look more into that because even Israel <laughs> doesn't admit they have nuclear weapons, even though we know they do. Um, that media has proven they do. But is it sort of a similar situation with Saudi Arabia where they won't admit they do, but they do? I mean, they're do? supposedly like, uh, you know, part of the nuclear non-proliferation treaty and saying that they oppose nuclear weapons. But yeah, I mean, I don't believe anything yeah. coming out of Saudi Arabia. I, I think that they probably have tried to get one and maybe they... Um, yeah, like I feel like Saudi Arabia has used Iran, you know, nuclear weapons program in quotes because they don't actually have a nuclear weapons program. Um, but Saudi Arabia constantly uses that as like a, a kind of like hinting that they should also have uh -huh. one or maybe already do. I don't know. Um, but they use Iran as like a, a reason to be like, we need if you don't do anything about Iran, then we're going to either, mm -hmm. you know, we need nukes to combat Iran, basically. I mean, I'm really, really, I'd be really surprised um, if they didn't, you know, that's that's really interesting if they don't have anything. And here's another story. Saudi Arabia said to have bought nukes from Pakistan. This is from 2013. So there's a lot of news already floating around that they already have nukes. Yeah. So it's, it's probably just, again, they're so powerful. They have so much influence over our media than even if they did. You know, it's not going to be like a breaking story like Saudi Arabia has nukes. They'd, ha they'd have to have like a whistleblower who'd be willing to like risk his life with like photographic right. evidence, that which is what happened in Israel. The guy literally snuck out photos of like it's their Iranian enrichment and he sent it to a BBC reporter. And the BBC reporter was so scared, oh even though God. he had photographic evidence, he sat on the story until the guy mysteriously disappeared and was kidnapped from Turkey by a Mossad agent. And he just disappeared and the, and the BBC reporter remembers this guy telling him, yeah, I fell in love with this beautiful Turkish woman. Oh, no. And he kind of didn't think it was that weird at the time until he fucking disappeared. And he's like, <laughs> Honey and pot. he connected it in his mind like, holy fuck, I think the Mossad probably kidnapped this guy. And he was right. They kidnapped him, threw him in jail. The only way the world learned about the story wasn't even because this BBC reporter had the balls to run it is because the guy who was kidnapped wrote the entire story down on his palm of his hand in marker and, put and it on shoved him. it in the front yep. of a camera lens as he was walking, being like ushered by like Israeli police like through into a jail. That's so smart. Yeah. It's almost, yeah, I mean, you can job, make a mo fucking movie about great that. Great job, yeah. BBC. Yeah. I mean, that's how much Israel, that's how much influence Israel even had back then. Wow. Yeah, it's like ind indisputable, you know, yeah. and they still had to do it themselves, like as they're getting escorted away to die in a jail cell. Um, and speaking of Israel's influence on a side note is that Trump, of course, is working extra hard. Israel has just opened the floodgates since the Trump administration has gone into office because, you know, 
even though Trump's rhetoric on the campaign trail was bizarre about the Palestine-Israeli conflict, um, we all know that he is just completely giving a green light to build all the illegal settlements, annex the West Bank. Um, There's several uh, bills in the Knesset trying to literally just annex the entire West Bank. Um, We've known that this is, I mean, this is obviously the plan forever, but... The UN has been good in theory, right? And not in practice because they have toothless resolutions that mean nothing and are not applicable. But they do constantly criticize Israel. That's why when I was speaking to those Israelis in Jerusalem, they were like, Israel's, or no, they're like, the UN is Mm -hmm. (laughs) anti-Semitic because they like keep condemning us. And it's like, okay. So even the UN is anti-Semitic. But um, the UN was going to publish a list of all the businesses. I think there's 150 businesses operating in illegally annexed territory in the West Bank, these illegal settlements. There's corporations operating there, 50 of which are European and and United States based. And so the Trump administration is feverishly working overtime to try to prevent the publication of this list, which of course would mean BDS, you know, easier to boycott, divest, and sanction these corporations. We already know about SodaStream and I think Avita. But SodaStream is just an Israeli company, right? And this is what you're saying is even worse. US run companies and European companies. So we already know the criminalization of BDS is probably the... No, but what you're saying is not just US and European companies, but they're running out of settler areas, which is SodaStream. SodaStream is just an Israeli company, right? But it was also operating in the West Bank. Okay, okay. So that's why... But so yeah, there are like a hundred, I think, Israeli companies, okay. but 50 after that. So 150 yeah. companies, 50 of which the other hundred are probably Israeli. Um, or I don't, I don't know. Maybe which not is all Just Israeli, interjecting but, really quickly. Yeah. is just, if you remember my obsession with the foreign policy initiative and those neocons who ran that, one of Dan Senor's main things was like starting bringing American entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to Israel and like the Israeli economy, like make, like making it like a thriving economy for tech. Like he wanted to like basically make Israel like the new Silicon Valley. And he has an entire book and then like, he's been like, that's one of his main things now. So it's like, man, these guys have their tentacles everywhere. They're spreading Hasbro here, making Muslims look like barbarians and animals here. And then they're going over to Israel to like, you know, prop up more businesses and probably settler areas. And I just saw Ben Norton posted like some Saudi cover of some sort of like combating extremism agency that they're unleashing. And the cover is actually like a Palestinian throwing a rock at like an Israeli occupying soldier. (laughs) It's like, wait, this is, this is your example of terrorism in the Middle East. That's shocking (laughs) considering what you guys sponsor around the world unbelievable unbelievable um get a little bit into the lebanon saudi arabia thing too before we move on okay yeah this is this is also really weird so this is something some of the news about saudi arabia recently has been quite bizarre i mean let's just get this out of the way really quickly as well is that 60 minutes did a gigantic (laughs) special about yemen and it just showed it like in a vacuum it kind of reminded me of like in the same way that vice does things where it's like, look at how horrible and all this suffering and just this humanitarian crisis. But what's missing from the narrative is that the U.S. is funding almost all of it and sanctioning almost all of it. And then we're also bombing Yemen. That's something that I don't think is mentioned enough. Saudi Arabia is not just bombing Yemen with our weapons. We're also bombing them. We made an aggressive... Uh, ramp up of our assaults on Yemen directly after Trump got in. That was one of the first military actions he did besides killing that eight-year-old girl. 
Um, I don't know if it's continuing to this day, but I mean, we are bombing Yemen. Um, so tactical support. I mean, everything. Yeah, air cover, air whatever. Cover. You know, it's just like it's all all these like partners now, and we do wars. It's also another way to be like it's not the U.S. You know, it's like it's like all these different proxies or whatever. But but yeah, the sixty minutes special, you know, almost could have been good. If they inserted the reality of like who's doing this and who's paying for it, um, very strange though. It'd almost be like doing like a humanitarian crisis documentary about Iraq without mentioning the fact that like <laughs> thousands of American soldiers are like occupying and raping and like killing your dogs for fun yeah. and like laughing about it, you know, or like the war quoting, never like, happened. Terrible, it's just like look at it now yeah. without any context. Fucking disgusting. It is disgusting. We are paying for it. American citizens are paying for yeah. the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. And no, I'm not talking about Gaza. I'm talking about Yemen. Yeah, and and just how absurd it is. It's just like to create a humanitarian crisis to this level, um, you know, and to like ex- to get like so shocked when there's like blowback or you know attacks in other countries. I mean, it does bringing me back to that idea that the war on terror and that this kind of stuff is almost just designed to clean out these areas and just make it easier for us to just like keep business yeah or just like not even u.s corporations need to like set up shop there or something yeah and then but then the flip side of it is like well if that's the case then why in afghanistan have they not built like a pipeline yet are they just waiting for them to clean it like make afghanistan stable enough for business because it's not yet well that's because the Taliban is like stronger than ever. Yeah, I know. It's like, but I it's mean, been like the biggest failure yeah. of all time. Like last year was the highest civilian casualties since the war even began. Well, I'm going to say war, occupation. It's yeah, amazing. a couple episodes ago on Media Roots, we were talking about if they wanted to build a pipeline going to the Caspian Sea through Afghanistan, basically the entire like war effort would need to be like stationing American troops up and down the entire pipeline. Like that would be the only way they could do it. <laughs> And the Taliban would, or whoever would just still try to come and bomb it, or it would be like virtually impossible for them to do. I mean, that has to be why we're still there, other than the opium management, mm-hmm. quote unquote, 90% of the world's heroin is coming from Afghanistan, Taliban had eradicated, da 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 da. But I think that because they, it's a, such a stalemate, and every time Mike explains it really well about how this actually works, where just to say that we are at the stalemate and that we haven't lost, they just send out. Um, U.S. soldiers on these useless patrols just to be like, we have this territory of this territory, and then they're just getting their legs blown up, their dicks blown off. Like every day, there's another like IED explosion on these patrols, but they just keep forcing them to go on these patrols. Every time they pop up, there's just like Taliban surrounding them. It's just mm-hmm. it, it's such a loss, but we can't, of course, pull out because we need to do what we started we Mm -hmm. need to build that pipeline or whatever the hell our ultimate objective is in afghanistan i don't think really anyone knows at this point since it's been 17 years and there's also all those rare earths over there that the minerals the one trillion dollars worth of minerals so i think that at this point it's like they i mean they can't i don't know the only way i could see them really doing it is to like bribe somehow bribe the taliban out of being like a force to fight us that's what they tried to do originally if you wanted to open a rare earth mining operation in Afghanistan, same problem. The amount of resources and, and like build up to get to that point, it would take an inc- you have to have like a safe area, a lot of guards, 
You'd almost just have to have the Taliban build themselves and then like pay them to do it. That's why it was so <laughs> like, upsetting when like we dusted off that mini nuke from the Bush administration and just dropped like a mini nuke oh, on yeah, Afghanistan. Yeah, 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 and it was yeah. like, wait a minute. First of all, we've never heard of ISIS in Afghanistan yeah, until yeah, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden the news is just like, by the way, we just like dropped yeah. a mini nuke on ISIS caves. And how funny is it that no one questions this idea that ISIS in Afghanistan, even though the Trump administration is telling us. Yeah. yeah. That's why a, that's, are we trusting anything yeah. coming out of this administration? He's hiring like ghost hunters to be federal judges <laughs> mm-hmm. did you hear about that no it's unbelievable not surprised though but talk about the lebanese prime minister thing it's bizarre yeah so um so on november 4th uh the lebanese prime minister uh, he just mysteriously popped up in saudi arabia and did a press conference um his name is saeed hariri hariri he did this press conference in saudi arabia and said he's resigning. And, of course, the fact that he, like, fled to Saudi Arabia and he just abruptly announced this, a bunch of people in Lebanon and a lot of the government there who were still remaining in power, they were like, this is like a setup. He was kidnapped. Like, what the hell's going on? Take it back a little bit. So, on the same day that he resigned, announced his resignation, Saudi Arabia claims they intercepted a ballistic missile fired from Yemen, possibly targeting the capital city, um, and Saudi Arabian government claimed that the missile was smuggled to Yemen's Iranian-backed Houthis through Hezbollah operatives. We will treat the government of Lebanon as a government declaring a war because of Hezbollah militias. Lebanon is kidnapped by the militias of Hezbollah, and behind it is Iran. Uh, that's where that war declaration confusion came in, is Lebanon responded to Saudi Arabia saying that they had declared war on us, but saying, no, we haven't. We haven't declared war on you, but that's the narrative that they're putting out. So, well, clearly this, this guy did something to try to seek refuge within Saudi Arabia, which is all already odd. Oh like, yeah, what did very he do odd. within? Yeah, I mean, has very, Lebanon very like explained wh- who this guy was or why he was like being persecuted or fled? I'm not sure that I don't so know. Crazy. Um, any listeners listening out there, feel free to you know post a link on yeah, the timeline. Yeah, post a link if you've seen any good analysis about this because it is very confusing. Um, but it's just really disturbing because we already know that there's been a long brewing tensions between like Iran and Saudi Arabia and those different factions in the Middle East. Um, we already know that sort of Iran and Syria are more sort of allies and Saudi Arabia, you know, is against like both Iran and Syria. And there's all these different factions. Um, and it is really dangerous if, you know, Saudi Arabia is basically implying that Hezbollah, um, through you know via Iranian proxy is waging war on them um that's that's really dangerous and of course Israel we know Israel will be right behind Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. if that happens mm-hmm. because Israel is basically i mean if you go take the history of Hezbollah back Hezbollah exists to fight off Israeli occupiers <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like literally a militia group that was designed to like fight the fuck out of these like piece of shit like IDF punks and that's like how israel's been crushed several times from hezbollah so i'm i'm like a hezbollah supporter and you know i mean like i i don't necessarily subscribe to like whatever religious beliefs they have but like they have the i i'm like down with what they do most of the time so yeah i'm a supporter of resistance groups that are staving off like brutal yeah um settler colonial occupations Mm mm-hmm so in that respect, I, I absolutely understand Hamas and support the efforts to um, fight against uh, illegal occupiers that are 
just completely obliterating your people. But at the same time, I need to throw out this this concept, and I've talked about this before, is that there are neocons out there who come from the Reagan era, like Michael Ledeen and Paul Wolfowitz and some of these other neocons. They still want to see the Saudi regime fall and be demo- like become a democracy. Like they, some of these people actually go that far. So I do hesitate a little bit to like focus too much on Saudi Arabia because I, part of me does think there is some kind of end game here where it's like the neocons want Israel to remain, but Saudi Arabia eventually to fall. And I think, and again, I think there is some rifts, even with the Obama administration, that did not support Israel either, to the extent Absolutely. that we are yeah. propping them up. So there is a lot of rifts within the establishment. That's why it's and even so just within juvenile the Obama to be like the deep state versus Trump. Of course, it's like, no, yeah. there's hundreds of different rifts. Um, we already know that Obama was the one who put the brakes on Ukraine after he right. went along with it stupidly for so long. I mean, he... If, if he kept just doing what people underneath him wanted him to do, we would have already sent $3 billion worth of weapons to Ukraine. Shit could have been so much worse. Not saying it was good, but there were already rifts in his administration. I mean, even with Syria, the red line thing, he backed down from that red line. Everyone else didn't, you know, wanted him to keep going with yeah. that. Yep. Not um, saying what his alternate solution was was good, but, you know, I was actually reading about Bandar Bush. Apparently... He was the one who initiated the first major free Syrian army attack on uh, Bashar al-Assad. I don't know if you knew this. That no. It was through Bandar Bush. He arranged that. So there's all these different factions. I mean, so to say, like, it's all one cohesive deep state is... Like there's an end game for everything. Yeah, it's not... It doesn't work that way. It's like saying the New World Order is one thing or the globalists. I mean, it, there's just too many competing factions. Oh, before we get into the sexual assault stuff, we should talk about the Project Veritas thing that just got well. That, that broke. Was, that's what I was going to oh, bring totally. up, but that cult completely goes into the sexual assault okay. stuff. Since it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Roy Moore. So we start talking about Roy Moore then. Yeah, and really yeah, quickly before just give it a little recap yeah, to people. Yeah. Um. Yep. 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 Let's do it. So Roy Moore. Um, I'm sure everyone knows about this guy. Let me find out what his actual... Like we were saying in the last podcast, this is the tent that the Republicans have opened for themselves. Um, As much as they want to harp on pedophilia, as much as pedophilia has actually like hindered Milo Yiannopoulos' career, the obsession with pedophilia and Pizzagate is very strange, right? This, this, we live in a puritanical society where people are very sexually repressed, where the right and conservatives are literally obsessed with like gender conformity, um, sexual identity and pedophilia now. So, which is even more curious to bend over backwards to try to defend Roy Moore. Yeah. Or I mean, how many accusers have come forward? Like either 16 or 18, like underage girls who have said that. I'm not and, sure. He's even banned from a mall. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It's so I think what happened was after this Me Too moment started, which, you know, arguably is an important moment, sort of a watershed moment for a lot of people to come out and share their own stories of sexual assault. Some of them famous people, um, you know, people who accuse famous people of sexual assault. And I think very quickly out of the gates, it became very politicized. And let's be honest, it wasn't, you know, at first I was kind of like, damn, the mainstream media, by harping on this Roy Moore thing to this extent, has made it so that now the right wing is only going to try to, like, they're just going to try to take down, like, Democrats now. 
who like sexual have like sexual impropriety in their past. But if you really go back, this all started with the Weinstein thing. All these right wing alt right assholes were trying to make it seem like this was a problem with liberalism when the Weinstein thing broke. That was their slant. Like liberal Hollywood pervs and pedos. It's not a, has nothing to do with like any right wing actors. They never even would bring up the fact that James Woods tried to pick up Amber Tamblin when she was 16 years old, yeah, even though he was part of right Hollywood, wing. too. It's all, once again, it's the selective omission these fucking fucktards always do <laughs> with things. Or just like when Trump tweeted, we should talk about all the, have them do a fake news contest between CNN and he's like, but not Fox News. It's like, dude, you're a childlike piece of shit. And it's really <laughs> sad, Ad, that people can't just see past these political divisions and be like, wow. James Woods tried to pick up on a 16-year-old girl. I don't give a shit if I'm Republican and agree with him. He's a fucking creep. And he's suspiciously tweeting about pedophilia all the time. But he tried to pick up on a 16-year-old girl when he was a grown man. Like, that's creepy. Weinstein is a creep. It doesn't matter if they're liberal or conservative. That is what's so strange to me about this is very quickly started with the alt-right trying to spin Weinstein thing as a problem with liberalism. And then now it's just become, you know, this back and forth political fucking football or after the Roy Moore accusations happen, where it's basically, he's a judge who's trying to run for, is it a Congress or a Senate? I couldn't, I couldn't, I just tried to look up. I couldn't remember. This is how little I'm paying attention to this, but basically, um, super far right. Senate. Yeah. Super far right. Uh, you know, anti-abortion, anti-gay marriage, who was found out to have had like an extremely huge problem with wanting to bang uh underage girls girls who were 14 years old 15 years old 16 years old um he had sex with many underage girls his wife was 16 when they met um this guy's got a serious problem but yet because he's republican and because the mainstream the liberal mainstream media picked up on it and made a huge deal about it they basically were trying to force Trump into a corner. They, they, they're idiotically, once again, just like the white supremacy thing in Charlottesville, thought that Trump would be like, denounce Roy Moore, just like they thought he was going to denounce white supremacists. Mainstream media is continually doing this. It's like he's not going to. He's, <laughs> of course he's going to stand for Roy Moore. It's just like Hillary Clinton. Republican is not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Right. Because they think Trump is disgusting, right. sexual predator. They will always vote for a Republican. Like it doesn't. Yeah, you're it, talking like about. You saying, yeah, it's like Trump is untouchable. And it doesn't matter if Roy Moore is literally a pedophile. After Pizzagate, guess what? It doesn't matter. All the Democrats are demonic pedophiles. This is like mainstream, not even mainstream, but it's like Alex Jones mainstream mm-hmm, narrative. Mm-hmm. I just saw a comment, several comments in a row, on a normal like conservative article about. Roy Moore, where all the comments were just like, well, even I don't care if he like had sex with a 14 year old, it doesn't, it doesn't make him nearly as bad as the pedo demon crats. Like I saw like three people using the term demon crat and I was just like, holy fuck, dude. Like, is this really what we want right now? This is basically scorched earth. The liberals have done it on the left side of the spectrum by saying everything that disagrees with Hillary is a Russian conspiracy. And these alt-right right-wingers have done on the other side by just, like, making it seem like 
like literally the other side are demonic pedophiles. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what right, we do. Right, it doesn't matter. What, or, yeah. yeah, but it also doesn't even matter what Republicans do if someone's a pedophile or hits on a 14-year-old girl as long as they're not a demon. As long as they're not a literal demon and smelling sulfur. <laughs> do you like how Do you like how how the president of the United States, not only this hysterically babyish, it looked like Barron, like on a, a, the worst side of the spectrum, tweeted some like mindless bullshit about fake news and how he's going to have a contest and get the fake news. Um, other than that tweet, Trump just randomly tweeted out a link from some dumbass supporter called MAGAPill.com. As you can imagine, red pill mixed with MAGA worship. Yeah, well, MAGA guess what pill. it was? Pizzagate to the max. It was like a website of all Trump's accomplishments, but not only that, it's just like a literal fake news. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable that he tweeted this out mm-hmm. saying this is a great news source, and it was just like all everything under the sun. I think he want. I don't think Trump believes in Pizzagate, but I think he wants his followers to mm-hmm. think he does, which is weird. Yeah, and you know, I actually heard an audio clip recently where he, Trump did bring up Pizzagate during the campaign. What did he say? He brought it up like in passing. It was very unusual. He's like, and uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in between this Anthony Weiner gate. I was just looking at Pizza Gate. I was just looking at, and he like go. He's like talking about how Anthony Weiner's going to be arrested for like the. But I was just like, wow, shit. So he was fully like, he was plugged in. I mean, wouldn't it be hilarious if that's like we were joking about this while over Thanksgiving break? But what if the end of the Mueller indictment is like? The Russians invented Pizzagate. <laughs> like that was yeah. that's how they interfered with the election. Like they deployed Pizzagate. Um, anyways, we were talking about Roy Moore. Basically, it's really unfortunate. I just wanted to make this point up front. It is really, really unfortunate how the idea of sexual assault has become a political and partisan issue. Politicized. I mean, and you know, and the conservatives will defend it by saying, "Well, they did it to." It was a witch hunt against Clarence Thomas. Like, I believe Clarence Thomas. I don't think he's sexually... That was like a witch hunt to, like, ruin a conservative black Supreme Court nominee. That's what they all think. So ever since then, that's, like, their attitude whenever, like, a Republican gets accused of... That's all they care about. Don't you wish that we could look at society and just be like, wow, someone... Like, let's just be be blind to the political partisanship for a second. Like, to me, I'm equally as offended as Bill Clinton raping someone as I am of Trump raping someone. Absolutely. Equally offended as Roy Moore molesting someone as I am with Al Franken grabbing someone's ass. Yeah. I really am. I have zero... Um, blinders on when it comes to who's a member of what party or what political ideology they, you know, they adhere yeah. to. And I think Al Franken is a fucking dumbass. I've I mean, always I totally, him. I totally have look at him in a new light now. Yeah. Like I used to kind of like him when he was on serious radio, and then I realized that he totally sold out when he became a senator. Yeah. But after this, you know, the first woman who came out, um, I was just like, oh, that's really disgusting, and the photo, whatever. But then there was still like like conflicting accounts about, you know, was it staged, blah, blah, blah. I didn't really know. And then the second that second victim came out and said he grabbed my full ass cheek Mm -hmm. when I was posing after he was a senator, I was just like, boom, shit list 100%. Like there is no denying that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this happened way before the anything of the floodgates broke, way before the Weinstein stuff. She had put this on Facebook that this had happened. So it doesn't matter... And I've heard even Democrats apologize for Al Franken, you know, a lot, saying like, oh, I don't really believe it. No, I mean, look, it's very rare for a second person to come out um, and be lying. So 
And yeah, also and, it's on record. And maybe, I mean, it's possible that this one woman who went on the USA USO tour with him was like put up to it, but she still has photographic evidence he, that he tried to like made like a jokey grabbing her tits picture while she was asleep. So even if she is like sort of politically motivated, it doesn't matter because, like you said, there's a second victim. And also, uh, Alex Rubenstein put, found a really funny, disturbing article that Al Franken wrote in 2003 where he was just orgasmic over the idea of celebrating the like the destruction of Iraq and the removal of Saddam Hussein in Iraq with American soldiers that he lit a menorah on Hanukkah in Saddam's palace. And he was extremely proud of this fact and thought it was very meaningful. And it just made me think he's a disgusting fucking imperialist creep. And I don't oh give a God. fuck what happens to him. I oh hope he God. goes down. I like how he like has to he's come gross. out. He tries to come out before the story. And he's like, I'm going to open an ethics investigation against myself. It's like, what is Why? <laughs> You're going to spend taxpayer yeah. money to like, what was really crazy amidst this sexual assault allegations, learning about how Congress deals with it. It's like the least transparent agency they write off all of these settlements with taxpayer dollars. They put it in, on the record. It just looks like another business expense. So I hope that this opens up because there are dozens and dozens of, of representatives in the House and Senate who have had to pay out millions of dollars with our money um, to victims. So I, I don't know if this is going to break or there's probably laws in place that really um, obfuscate the truth here. But man, that that's another big story pending i hope that someone become a whistleblower and really exposes that list i know and it's so funny too because the republicans are playing with fire because again once again they're acting like it's just going to be john conyers and al franken that are going to go down it's like dude it's just it's just super sad how bottom of the barrel they become i mean and honestly like it does they're almost like they act like the mainstream media is so biased against them but it's they've gone so far beyond the mainstream media. I mean, you can still find plenty of like contradictory opinions and things on like mainstream media, even CNN. I mean, it's just full nonstop partisan deflection, flank running. It's so garbagey. I mean, just all culminating with that Nambla banner at the Antifa thing, and then this, and then this uh, Project Veritas sting operation. And it just shows how disingenuous. And they always go like, "Gotcha!" Like you're, you're like, it's even worse because you're like a hypocrite because you're a feminist and you like pretend like you like women. It's like that's not worse. Like yeah, it's 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 crazy that Al Franken's like a liberal and also a sexual assaulter, but like that's not uncommon. No, and it's not worse than having a string of <laughs> sexual relationship with underage girls and committing sexual assault. They were assault. literally banned from a mall yeah. in I mean, Alabama. I hate, and I, and I'm, I'm even feeling myself it's doing insane. it. So I'm getting pulled into this bullshit spin cycle of being like, who's worse, Al Franken yeah, or know, Roy Moore? I know. Obviously, Roy Moore is. But, but look, this is all on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. If you want to look at it all, we're going to talk about most of the new revelations. But we were talking about last time, Louis C.K.'s time in the barrel was coming soon, and it came real hard. What he did, as terrible as it was, it is not anywhere close to like what Kevin Spacey and Weinstein did, although it's terrible and it's and it's borderline predatory in my opinion. But what Al Franken did, it's in a different category than actual rape. Right. It's like Al Franken's like actual the most common like it happens constantly. Yeah. Guys grabbing getting, your ass, yeah. touching you inappropriately. That that is it's so bizarre that that is just levied at like the same thing as like bill cosby and harvey weinstein it's Mm -hmm. like these are serial rapists that's not the same thing at all yeah yeah so let's go into why don't you 
describe this Project Veritas thing a little bit just for people. So who don't James know. O'Keefe is a complete fucking nightmare. He um, he was friends with. He was like one of these Breitbart like protégés who has taken the fake news thing to the extreme where he's basically like officiated the concept of fake news. He was the one who dressed up as a pimp, brought someone dressed up as a prostitute, went to Planned Parenthood, tried to expose that they like, you know, whatever that they do, like sell baby parts and, and plan abortions with taxpayer money, which is not true at all. This is on top of the acorn scandal where he basically destroyed um, a good organization um, with another fake news scandal, what did he do there? I completely even forget. Well, this is interesting because it also ties into Pizzagate. Because remember when Breitbart said John Podesta's like child sex dregs or something? Yeah. He said that because Podesta had Podesta was like helping run Acorn at the time, and the James O'Keefe thing was basically trying to say that they would. I, I don't. I don't remember the exact details. Like they would hire a pimp and a prostitute to like help get like sign up democrats to vote in like inner city areas or something i i feel like i'm completely botching the story but basically it was done under the guise of fraud where he didn't just fraud acorn he frauded his own audience once again like this is what james o'keefe is really good at he's that they seemingly don't care and he doesn't care either he has no respect for his audience that no, he frauds them right right he acted as if he walked into the acorn office dressed as a pimp with like a cartoonish pimp fur coat on oh so hat, that yeah cane glasses he did not right he didn't but that was what he edited the video to make it look like um so he's just like a serial liar he's also just like a bizarre child i mean not he even looks like he's, he's like 12 years I'm just going to say he yeah. looks like his pituitary gland didn't kick in. He's got like this weird bench. Some of these like conservatives Shapiro, literally yeah. look like they haven't reached puberty. Right. And it's extremely bizarre. I don't know what's wrong with them. They almost look like the lead character of Freaked. Like they have no, they look like permanently like in a child body. But that's not even what I meant by childlike. He did a stunt where he ran across the Mexican-U.S. border wearing a Bin Laden mask and acted like it was like a breaking news story. And it got like on the front page of Drudge. He's like, he's running. He's like trying to like crawl through like whatever that river is, the Rio Grande. That like he's such a disgusting pig. He he's the one who like set up Laura Loomer and Jack Sabayak. He's like there, like mm-hmm. the, to help you know to interrupt the Caesar play and say like. Oh yeah, he he's pulled all these really dumb stunts, it's and they're all like just like the partisan. It's all bottom of the barrel, of. So, bottom of the barrel partisan garbage, and. He did something really briefly that crossed over to my circles where he went, got people to go into CNN and get them to admit that the Russiagate shit was like bunk. And that was like, and I kind of got worried because I was like, fuck, a lot of my friends are like reposting his thing right now. That's really dumb because even if he got them to say these things, like I don't, I think he's a garbage. Like I don't care. Anything he does to me cannot be trusted ever. Of course not. He has zero credibility. So but so, going to okay, what so here, so first week. of all, he runs Project Veritas. Um, I didn't realize how big Project Veritas is. I didn't realize that they had an actual office in Washington, D.C. That's a lot of money. You have mm-hmm. to be raking in quite a bit of money yeah, to be yeah. oh, managing yeah. a, like an office space Funding, in D.C. Sure. Yeah. And speaking of which, Donald Trump, of all people, donated $10,000 to James O'Keefe back in 2015 after he pitched his insane fake news um, stunts to Donald Trump himself. So Donald Trump endorsed, sponsored by 
the president of the United States is Project Veritas. So the latest story, if, if you haven't already heard, I'll try to truncate it. Um, James, James O'Keefe tried to pull a big punk on the Washington Post. Why? To try to discredit Roy Moore's accusers. So instead of focusing on um, cataclysmic climate change and pending nuclear war, um, the fact that the poor is being completely pillaged and raped by the richest sector of society, how this new tax plan, according to the nonpartisan CBO, says that poor people will suffer um, exponentially under the Republican tax plan. No, nothing about that. So what's the focus of these people? Discrediting sexual assault victims discrediting rape victims, discrediting women. Um, he tried to hire this woman, or he did hire this woman, to come and, and pretend like she was another uh, sexual assault victim of Ray, Roy Moore. She contacted the Washington Post and said, you know, I, I was forced to have an abortion when I was 15. I got into this relationship with him. Parts of her story weren't adding up. So the Washington Post, I, I, it's funny that these people think that they can do big like gotcha. Yes, the Washington Post and New York Times are like garbage publications who have spread a lot of stenography for the U.S. and like unquestioningly like acquiesce to the state time and again. But they still like do basic fact checking with things like this. Like you can't just go to the Washington Post and be like, I was raped by like yeah. Trump. Print this now. Like promise me this is going to like take down Trump. I think they. And that's they, what this woman did. Yeah, I think it's because the CNN one. Cnn is a TV station it's probably easier to infiltrate the totally. building and get like because that of, has happened before where guests have been yeah. like not who they say they are on TV but the it's different when you're working in like a month-long investigation on I something know. I was gonna say the only reporter and I put that in quotes that talked to one of the O'Keefe like surrogates at CNN was like Van Jones and he's not even really a journalist so it was funny that they just got all these like producers and different people to talk it's not it, it would almost be like going to the Washington Post and getting like a low level like researcher or I don't even know. I mean, but anyway, sorry. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. So, so basically the woman had a ton of inconsistencies. The Washington Post did very cursory fact checking. And what did they find? A GoFundMe account from like a couple of years ago of this same woman being like, guess what guys? Like I got hired by conservative media to like punk libtards. Like daily I'm going like, to take on the MSM. The Daily Caller, Tucker. Help me fund my yeah. trip. Same name, but that wasn't the, the giveaway. I mean, that was the giveaway, but then they saw who who donated to the GoFundMe, her daughter. It's like all just like very simple fact checking that, you know, you look at Project Veritas funded not only $10,000 by Trump, but probably millions by other right wing mm -hmm. billionaires, you know, Robert Mercer, et cetera. And they can't even do like that. They can't even make sure that someone no. has like scuffed the internet to make sure that their GoFundMe account saying that they're going to aggressively take on like MSM libtard media um, is it's like not they're taken getting less down. careful it's over crazy. time. They, it's, be, it's almost because they've gotten so bottom of the barrel and like careless and, and reckless and just rushing to get clickbait. They just don't even care. Yeah. And so it's made. So basically, end of story is that the Washington Post realized that it was a scam. They saw her going into the Project Veritas office building once they realized that there were inconsistencies. They ended up meeting with her again and filming the whole encounter. And the woman was like, I don't feel comfortable anymore. And they said, what is this GoFundMe oh, yeah. page? And she was like, <laughs> You should and watch then, um, this video because it's so pathetic it's how bad so of an actress bad. she is. And she just gets extremely defensive once the woman just starts like, asking her why she worked story. for the Daily Caller. Which again is Tucker Carlson's publication, who is a total fucking phony piece of shit. Yeah. And I, so. I, I just want to mention really quick that the, yeah, the James O'Keefe 
stuff when people started posting his Russiagate stuff, I was embarrassed that I saw people I respected posting it because it's like, I guess for me, it's really important to only promote people who provide proper context and mm-hmm. who aren't like partisanly motivated. Yeah. Like that's trash. Like, I'm sorry. That doesn't mean anything to me that some people at CNN were saying that. To James O'Keefe surrogates means absolutely yeah. fucking nothing. Yeah, and his big... So he tried to come out right when this story was breaking because the yeah. Washington Post broke it before him and they're like, yeah, by the way, James O'Keefe is now trying to discredit sexual assault victims by like staging victims and trying to, you know, do this. And so James O'Keefe like came out and he was like, no, like I have the other video. Like there's always two videos. It's like, where's your video, dude? Because the whole thing was just exposed before you could do anything. So his big video was some Washington Post guy explaining that there's a difference between the editorial section and like the news section. That was his mm-hmm. big expose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was getting trounced with this fake woman to discredit sexual assault victims. But basically what he did in the meantime was expose that the Washington Post does thorough fact-checking with the sexual allegation stories. So guess what? It actually proved the opposite. That all the victims of Roy Moore probably are <laughs> totally true. Yeah, that they've had And their that, stories yeah. are true. So yeah, in this whole investigation, true. James O'Keefe basically proved that the Washington Post had verifiable accounts of sexual assault that Roy Moore conducted. And also, wow, what a big revelation that there's a difference between the editorial and news sites of a news organization. Great jobs, James O'Keefe, you fucking 12-year-old little bitch. <laughs> um, here's another interesting thing about James O'Keefe. He sexually assaulted someone, too. A woman named Nadia Nafi. She was a African American conservative activist who he used to do all this shit. Um, a couple of years ago, came out and said that he drugged her and like raped her in a barn. Um, that she, you can read it all. I'll, I'll link to this on the timeline. Um, she basically published, and this is, I mean, can you imagine the heat that she got? Mm-hmm. She was like a conservative hero used because, of course, she was a black woman. They love to use this, like, mm-hmm. you know, they basically just identity politics to push their agenda because um, it's very rare to find someone who's a black woman to even be a conservative like this. And so then it, it was just shocking that she came out and said that O'Keefe invited her to his New Jersey home to work on a project where she was to stay in a finished barn. They got into an argument. He abandoned her in the barn, refused her to take her home. She said that she started to feel physical disorientation, passed out, totally drugged after sharing a beer with O'Keefe. She said eventually, once she like came to, her underwear was missing. Wow. Really disturbing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Um... So that happened. And yeah, so he basically is also um, a disgusting pig who sexually assaults women after he drugs them. Yeah. I mean, I had no, I did never even heard about that, but I mean, yeah, it's just really weird to see that there are people who are just like pathological liars and partisan hacks who people take seriously at all. Like even remotely, like I can understand generic right wing conservatives taking them seriously, but man, I mean, it's, it's just sad to see that he would do something about Russiagate. That's just so bottom of the barrel. And like, it would spread. I mean, um, it's just a hack job. It's like, this is like, he's just a hack man. Yeah. Um, so I guess we should give some, we should give a little, uh, update because since we did our last sexual assault, (laughs) me too episode, Mm -hmm. um, there have been dozens of more allegations and revelations that have come out on a very 
wide spectrum. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did a little update on the last episode, but probably one of the worst people uh, to be outed for sexual assault and abuse um, and even attempted rape in some circumstances, Kevin Spacey. Oh, my God. And, uh, Kaiser Soze. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and they've, and they're, and they're, the consequences, um, over a lot of these, these people being outed are, are pretty severe. I mean, like House of Cards is being canceled, although that one's a little strange because they say they're going to yeah. do a, continue to do an additional season where they kill him off at the end. Yeah. It's like and they okay. already had people on the set of House of Cards report allegations against Kevin Spacey, just saying he's like an out of control. Like horn dog is just like hitting on everyone the whole time. Yeah, like takes his dick out, like lighting techs who are just fixing things in his trailer, and he's just like, "Here's my dick." Yeah, like grabbing their packages. Uh, it, it is unbelievable. The Richard Dreyfus's son story is nuts, and I keep going, and I'll tell that story in a yeah. second. Yeah, and then just this is a little little dose of this circular firing squad <clears throat> thing that's happening right now is that Richard Dreyfus's son. Um, was hanging out with Kevin Spacey and Richard Dreyfus, reading lines for some play they were performing in, I think in the 80s at some point. And Kevin Spacey was um, trying to sexually molest Richard Dreyfus's son while they were doing line readings while they were all together in front of Richard Dreyfus himself, um, which just sounds absolutely insane to me. Uh, but then right after that came out, Richard Dreyfus, um, he said, like, I'm proud of my son for coming out with this. Somebody then accused Richard Dreyfus of sexual harassment. Um, and, you know, it's, I say circular firing squad because a lot of people are getting torn up in this, in sort of this Me Too moment. And I think mostly fairly, um, with a few exceptions. And then we, we can go into some of those. Um, because, like I was saying earlier, definitely some of this, you know, sits on a very wide spectrum. Um, I would put Kevin Spacey somewhere more towards the top, you know, closer to someone like Bill Cosby and Weinstein. Um, I can't, I, it's hard to say, can really compare Kevin Spacey and Weinstein. Um, I would say probably Weinstein was worse. Oh yeah. I mean, um, Weinstein, we know that he has raped multiple women yeah. where we don't actually have any reports of actual rape from Kevin Spacey yeah. yet. But apparently, um, the UK police have opened up, um, Kevin, or, uh, criminal charges probe on Kevin Spacey. Um, yeah, they've opened they've opened a line um, where they've had dozens and dozens of victims come forward at the playhouse he used to work at in London. Yeah, um, and also what's nice? I mean, what's nice about this Me Too movement is that someone like Kevin Spacey, you know, could possibly have criminal charges leveled against him, and Harvey Weinstein now as well. Um, a man, it says on um, L.A. Times, a Manhattan DA is moving closer to criminal charges against Harvey Weinstein. This was from November 7th. Um, so apparently they're, they're going to start presenting evidence to a grand jury in the coming oh weeks God, I hope something that could happens. result in the movie mogul Harvey oh. Weinstein being indicted for sex crimes, which would be amazing. Oh my God, that'd be so amazing. And I feel like Uma Thurman was particularly upset about what right. happened. She basically was asked on a red carpet what she thought about the Me Too thing and Weinstein, and she was visibly so upset that she said like i have learned to like not i'm paraphrasing her she basically said i've learned to like not talk about these things until like i'm done being like absolutely like angry and she even furious did you see her instagram post or she oh was yeah like, that's what i was just gonna mention yeah, deserve that a she, bullet. you don't even deserve a bullet because what's coming for you is much worse yeah she basically 
you know, she wasn't saying that Harvey Weinstein deserves to be killed, but she was had some pretty harsh words to say about him, and she should be really upset because I believe Quentin Tarantino deserves some of the blame for enabling him for so Absolutely. long because of everything Harvey Weinstein has done in his career, probably the most, the biggest, like most proudest claim to fame, you know, putting his name on something was Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. Like Harvey Weinstein brought Quentin Tarantino to Hollywood, turned him into a star, you know, made his career off of like these artsy, more lower level films, sort of, you know, groundbreaking films. You can't even name any other like Hollywood producers probably besides Harvey Weinstein. And the Weinstein company, company yeah. you, know, you, see, you see the name everywhere. Miramax. Yeah, that's why I didn't, I didn't yeah. like that Quentin Tarantino came out and was like, oh, I have, first of all, I just realized this and I need some time to like come up with a statement. It's like, dude, come the fuck He on, should have an Quentin. about face moment. And it, I mean, I'm not saying he feels exactly the same way I did, but I think it's obvious that Weinstein wouldn't be nearly as famous and have as much clout as he did if it wasn't for Quentin Tarantino. Um, basically letting him use Quentin Tarantino's name, you know, like it was some kind of badge of honor. Um, and especially the Robert Rodriguez thing after Rose McGowan was raped. And I mean, there's so many different elements yeah. where it's like, you didn't know that Rose McGowan was like trying to, had an NDA from mm -hmm. Weinstein and her, I mean, it's just, there's so many different elements that makes me very hard to believe that Quentin Tarantino just didn't know uh -huh. at all. Oh, no. I mean, it's, yeah. And the Uma Thurman has worked with him, you know, for right. so long. And she's, I mean, I'm sure she probably is feeling a little bit pissed at Quentin Tarantino, yeah. too, at the very least. I don't, because I don't think that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, Brad Pitt was an enabler for a long time, too. Every, There's a lot of people so who work with him. So many people who are enablers. And I like how they come out and they're like, I stood up to him. It's like, you should have exposed him. Yeah. Like, yeah, you you made sure your girlfriend wasn't assaulted by him again. But like, that's not enough. That's not enough. No. Um, so the I hope Kevin's, this motherfucker goes down. The really Kevin Spacey hard. thing is so. I know that you just talked about the Richard Dreyfus thing, but man, it was so disturbing. Three separate times in the room while he was practicing lines with Richard Dreyfus yeah. and his son, that he, that his son moved across the room to another chair, and Richard Dreyfus' son was just like, no, 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 like looking straight in his eyes, and Kevin Spacey just locked eyes with him and just kept holding his entire package in his hand. So crazy. It's so crazy. It, that, it's such an insane power dynamic that that's like, it has nothing to do with sex. It's just like, I own you, I can't especially even in front of Richard Dreyfus, like a colleague. Can't even imagine that happening. The way his, his account was really beautifully written too, because it, you know, he starts off funny. He's like, I told this as a joke at parties forever, not realizing how much it really impacted me. Cause I, you just brush it off. Like it's funny. And this is what happens with sexual assault. Anyone who's been sexually harassed, it becomes like a defense mechanism. Yeah. And all of these allegations, it, it seems like it's coming out a lot from Hollywood. But you have to realize that this is so, you know, Hollywood and entertainment industry, because this is these are very high profile people that are on TV. Um, but this is happening in every, every industry, every agency, every company. This is the norm. Um, it's rare to meet people who haven't been like sexually harassed or assaulted at work. Which I was just going to mention the Brett Ratner thing. Talk about how who dis, how disgusting he is. Yeah, so it first came out, and this had already come out from Olivia Munn years ago, and there's actually a really embarrassing The Young Turks clip where they're shaming Olivia Munn for revealing anything about Brett Ratner, saying, she oh, she just kissed and told and had a bad experience. Ugh. Yeah, usually when I kiss and tell, someone jerks off in a potted yeah. plant, like, cornering me in a room. So this is like <laughs> TYT two years ago was 
for some reason, not willing to believe allegations of sexual assault against an actress, which I thought was just a bizarre. It's an, a very embarrassing clip on the, that they still have on YouTube. Um, but now I hope that they had a different attitude where it's like multiple people have come out and said basically a lot of the same things Olivia Munn was claiming. Um, and Olivia Munn clarified like what actually happened to her and that Brett Ratner, she, he was, you know, she was going to go meet him in his trailer. I don't remember what movie shoot it was. And as soon as she walked into his trailer, he was already middle in the middle of masturbating with a robe on with an erection and just like ejaculated in front of her when she like walked in. Um, and this is, you know, he, he's been, he has a lot of other allegations that are similar um, to that. Um, but probably one of the most disturbing ones is I didn't even know that him and Russell Simmons were like really good friends. And a long time ago, I think it was over 10 years ago, um, uh, somebody who claimed uh, that she was 17 at the time um, is alleged that Brett Ratner and Russell Simmons um, were, well, Russell Simmons specifically raped her and first coerced her into giving him a blowjob and then actually raped her, penetrated her without her permission while she was taking a shower trying to clean up and leave. And she thought Brett Ratner was going to protect her because he was present, and then she realized halfway through the, like, assault... She, like, looked at him and she was like, help me. She mouthed, help me, and he just looked at her. Yeah, so she realized... Basically, Brett Ratner was complicit in the rape of an underage girl on on behalf of... uh, that Russell Simmons raped... Very disturbing story. Um, and so many, I mean, just since this Me Too moment has happened, just so many other revelations. And also Brett Ratner also raped someone, um, this woman named Natasha Hendstridge in 1993, again, blocked her from leaving the room, forced her to perform oral sex on him. So this is a game that he likes to play um, where they take underage girls and force them to give mm-hmm. them head. And they it's, do it together, and he and I even heard that he has a special house that they know that they can bring women to in Hollywood. Uh huh. I mean, it makes sense that someone like him would use his power just to fuck a bunch of women and and even rape people because his the shit he puts out is so bad. I don't even know anything about like he's who, terrible. What is his? The movies he's directed are super bland. <laughs> I mean, it just it really is some of the most like garbage pile like Hollywood content being turned like, out. Give us Brett some Ratner. examples. I don't even know. He made what he's the done. third X Men movie, which oh. is like widely despised, and people say it ruined the X Men franchise. Um, he did um, Tower Heist with Eddie Murphy. He's got a relationship with Eddie Murphy. Um, he did Bad Boys, I think one and two. I think, I think that's what his claim to fame is. I honestly don't know. Which is just weird to me that someone like him would still be powerful and even in the industry if he's done all this shit and he has never done anything good. I mean, I, I honestly don't understand it. Um, but I remember he was about to host the Oscars one year, or no, Eddie Murphy was with Brett Ratner like as the writing team or whatever for him, and they had to. They simultaneously both had to pull out because Brett Ratner went on Howard Stern and thought he was really a real hot shot for talking about how he used to fuck Lindsay Lohan and how he like made her get tested for STDs first and all this stuff. So he was like a what big a bragger back pig. then. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So he like he was like openly talking about how like he would try to like fuck his underage, not underage, but young, you know, actors. When Lindsay Lohan was like just pig, of age. Dude. Oh my god. Um. And he thought it was hilarious. I mean, and Howard Stern, you know, like the interview basically cost him that yeah, gig. Yeah, sounds hilarious. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so, I mean, 
not surprising at all. I just, yeah, that. the Russell Simmons thing really shocked me because not only did that come out, but then Terry Crews, who we talked about on the last podcast, the agent that he outed temporarily stepped down and then just got reinstated, by the way. So the agent that Terry that grabbed Terry Crews's dick at the party ended up like like going on a little bit of leave just for a week or two, and now he's back at his job. And Terry Crews just tweeted, he's like, "Uh, didn't really stick, did it?" It's just amazing that that didn't like work. Um, that he's back at his job. But when these allegations, oh, duh, the whole point of me bringing that up was because Russell Simmons wrote Terry Crews and said, "Just let it go, man." Like, what? Like, did the guy apologize? Well, then why are you making a big deal out of this? Before it came out that Russell Simmons also, like, rapes women. Mm-hmm. So, these yeah. predators like to cover the, the, their own asses and cover each other's. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Conspiracy of silence, baby. This is how it happens. Um, and then, the Charlie Rose and Nick Carter thing. First, let's talk about Nick Carter, because Charlie Rose is kind of in another realm. But Nick Carter, boy band... Uh, Adulated by millions of girls around the world, Backstreet Boys. I even think they had a residency in Las Vegas still. Um, widely popular. I remember having a big crush on him, you know, having those <laughs> tiger beats up on my wall. Uh, oh, yeah, he is beats. also a rapist. Um, he, you know, I remember the story coming out from years ago of him like potentially beating Paris Hilton, like her coming out when they were dating with just covered in bruises. Um, but you know, it's it's it, now it all makes sense looking back on it. But this woman named Melissa Schumann, who was a member of a girl band called Dream, came out and in an extraordinary and detailed blog talks about how he raped her at his apartment in 2002. She was 18 and a virgin. It's probably like a like she was probably Christian, and she just kept saying, "Please stop! I'm saving myself for my husband. Please stop! I'm saving myself for my husband." She said that there was a ton of people in the room. I'm I'm reciting this from memory, but he brings her into the bathroom, forces her to like let him perform oral sex on her, and she's just like, "Please stop! Please stop!" And then he's like, "Now you need to suck my dick because I like, I did it to you." And she like he like makes her do it, and she just says like and, and all these specific details. When you really, if anyone who's been in like a car accident or a really traumatic experience, you remember like very odd details, mm-hmm. and that's how you, it really just seems like her account is just so true. I mean, I don't, I haven't really read an account that I don't believe yet, um, but yeah, her account's just so disturbing because she's like, she just remembers these specific things about what the bathroom looked like and thinking like this, I, I can't believe this is happening. And he's like making me do this and looking at herself in the mirror and just being like, holy shit! And then he takes her in his room and rapes her. Um, and says, I'll be your husband after she's like begging him, please stop. I'm saving my body for my husband for when I get married. And he says, I'll be your husband and rapes her. So I, I, and, and, and this actually, she came forward only because her friends were telling her after the Harvey Weinstein thing, they're like, are you going to come forward? Cause everyone knew, you know, yeah. she probably has just told her friends and therapists and stuff. And she said, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to. And then she said, she saw the victim shaming of another anonymous sexual assault victim of Nick Carter who came forward, but under anonymity and was like, I was raped by Nick Carter. And she was like, Oh fuck. No, I can't just like not come forward now. So that's what she was like. I'm going to come forward. I'm going to put my face to it. And of course, people who are fans of Nick Carter, just like fans of Bill Cosby are like, you know what? I don't believe you. Mm -hmm. I like his character. I like his music. Mm -hmm. Therefore he didn't rape you. So look, this woman's brave as hell. Um, Her story's horrifying. I cried when I read it. Um, it's really, really unreal that these people have gotten away with this for so long. 
So you I, wanted, do, yeah. I, I just also think there's definitely a misogynistic element, obviously, coloring a lot of this because no one even for a second doubted any of Kevin Spacey's accusers. Isn't that interesting? They're all men. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I mean, it's sad, but that's the reality. It's like if you're a woman accusing a man, women make up rape allegations to get out of situations they regret. I mean, that's like the whole mindset, you know, this prevailing mindset that, and in very rare circumstances, that does happen. And we will, you know, I think one of these things that's come out of the Me Too movement is kind of more like that, but it's very rare. And another thing very that's rare. very, just think of the other common thread. It's all men predators. Whether yeah. it's Kevin Spacey or yeah. Weinstein or Nick mm-hmm. Carter, it's all men. Yeah, it's all men, yeah. That's the trend here. And when you look at, again, just violence in general and sexual violence, 99% of all like murders are committed by men, like rape, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is... So yes, men are raped. Like rape against men is a very underreported thing and should be way more publicized. But again, it's all happening by men. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure there's circumstance. I mean, like of I'm course. not, I'm one, not of those, like, I'm one of those people who thinks that it, like a woman can't rape a man. I mean, that I'm like, no. I'm sure that's happened before, but like it's no, I mean, the overwhelming majority. I mean, the power dynamic alone, like I was trying to say in the last episode, you don't have to point a gun to a woman's head, break into her house, and tie her to the bed. That's that's not the threshold in which it's required to be rape. There are there is a gray area where it's like you're just you being a physically powerful, imposing person. You don't even have to have a weapon. Your body is a weapon. I mean, that's that's one of these things I don't think is factored in. It's like a large man who's like over six, you know, six two, two hundred fifty pounds trying to coerce a woman into having sex is far more intense than if like a woman was trying to coerce a man into having sex. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's just... Right, right, right. The power... It's like you can't escape that power dynamic, um, especially when you put fame into the mix. Well, yeah, I mean, I think probably one of the most disturbing stories out of all this besides Weinstein and Kevin Spacey is probably R. Kelly. Yeah. Because he has a, he has a known history... Yeah of videotaping underage girls i mean one in one instance getting pissed on which to me that's not even the bad i mean fine if you want to piss on people that's totally your business but doing it to an underage girl um is illegal but then also he has he's alleged to have basically kept like a like harem a sex slave of cult. women yeah not even harem but like they're slaves yeah they're slaves yeah like a harem they, of slaves yeah yeah, yeah they're slaves <laughs> And he literally locks them where, like, he, like, the lock is on the outside of the door, like, in rooms. Um, several of them are underage. He married Aaliyah when she was 15 when years old. When he was old. 27. Um, and, I mean, the guy is a fucking disgusting creep. And, I mean, yeah, like, it's fine if you want to enjoy Trapped in the Closet or whatever. But, like, just like you want to enjoy a Bill Cosby record, just know what he is. He's a monster. The guy's a fucking monster. Yeah, talk about some of these allegations. I'm trying to go through this article right now, but it is really, really disturbing. He like, I mean, really under lock and key. Oh, literally, yeah. He literally, and one of them actually, the only way she was able to get away is because she finally thought of an excuse to leave the house on her own, which is very rare that he would let her leave the house on her own. And when she did, she just like kept driving and, and escaped. One of the women who came forward um, in Rolling Stone says she was in a two-year relationship with him. This is like dozens of women. It's yeah, not just yeah, yeah. one woman, obviously. But she said it was it was rife with physical abuse, sexual coercion, emotional manipulation, and a slew of draconian rules 
that dictated nearly every aspect of her life. When, what, and how to eat, how to dress, when to go to the bathroom, and how to perform for the singers sexually, and what underwear to wear, like just mm -hmm. literally every single thing about your life, and totally remove themselves from their family. It was almost like a Scientologist suppressive person, like mm -hmm. you are no longer a member of your family, you're a member of my cult, like and it is a cult. Um, because these women had no escape and he was like their cult leader um, except she knew that it was wrong like she she escaped but I think a lot of these women are still under his um, spell well, I wonder if or Leah his... ever came out and said anything before she died so tragically I know um, yeah I mean because he's she... been he's been indicted on child pornography charges mm -hmm. before well because he filmed because he filmed a yeah. him pissing on the yeah. girl Oh, that was all that it was. I it think wasn't. So. It wasn't other things. I don't that think he, came he had. I mean, he might have had like stuff that he had photographed. Um, but yeah, he's definitely got a thing for underage young girls, and he's a fucking monster. And um, yeah, it's really unfortunate that people like him and Chris Brown are still like respected, and like the scenes that they're in. I mean, they should be looked at as just total trash monster people. Oh, I had no gross. idea. In 1996, other than the Aaliyah thing, in 1996, he was also sued by another aspiring vocalist, Tiffany Hawkins, who claimed that he started having sex with her when she was 15 and, and forced her to like perform group sex with other underage women God and sued him for $10 million and it was settled for an undisclosed sum in 1998. That's nuts. Someone like him could get away with that. Isn't for it? So long. Yeah. I mean... Like I could almost see a white celebrity getting away with that more easily. Like I know it is. It's interesting. I mean, maybe he's got. Maybe he's shit. Maybe he knows things. I mean, I don't know. Could be like an Epstein situation. <laughs> but it's really sad. Like I remember reading one of these accounts when I first heard about him having like these sex slaves. Like one of their fathers, they just like cut him off, and they were like, "I can't talk to you anymore" and stuff. And then that's when. I think the father figured it out or something like tried to went to the press. Yikes. I don't remember exactly what happened, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really disturbing. You guys should really read some of these um, accounts of, of what he does to women. Um, if you want to be really disturbed. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Charlie Rose. Um, Man. Uh, that's, that's one is not, not a huge surprise, but it also kind of is because, he got away with it for so long and they knew everyone knew they were yeah, like oh he did knew. the old shower yeah. trick did he even john oliver one of his regular segments on his show as much as i don't really like last last week tonight he had a running segment on his show where it's called like our awkward sex talk with charlie and it would be cut together clips from the morning show he does on i think it's on abc it's not the charlie rose show where he's just like awkwardly flirting with and making like hitting on his female co-hosts and it's like compiled to just be like really cringeworthy. Like, ooh, like, oh my God, I can't believe this old creep is like openly acting like this on TV. And this is like a staple of the news biz. Like this is a yeah. guy who's been in for generations, yeah. uh, 60 Minutes, CBS, he's one of the, co -anchor. If you were really to, besides Barbara Walters, yeah. and I mean, he's really one of the main guys, right. like Larry King. I mean, there's not very many of those old guard media And he's an excellent still. interviewer. Like I, I loved 60 Minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why it's just, again, what I'm saying, this is so common, more common than it isn't. Like I would, I would willing to bet that like almost every single man in his position probably has done this to a certain extent. But what's amazing about this is a rotating, like uh, just a, a cast of rotating female interns that he would come in and out of his, of his purview, sexually assault all of them, have them come over. And of course, look, journalism jobs are very hard. Media jobs are very hard. If you're a young woman 
like the fact that you are just going to go into this job and then immediately get sexually assaulted by someone going back to the how many women have left the, the industry not wanted to deal with navigating this insane territory where they're just constantly getting abused and harassed by their superiors who are men he would invite them over to his house come out with his dick out an 80 year old man almost just in a bathrobe um, after coercing them to come over to his house to work. And here's the audacity that he has to come out and be like, oh, sorry, I'm really embarrassed. I thought that they were all consensual. I had no idea that oh, women didn't shared want feelings, me. Shared feelings. Shared feelings. Yeah, just like what Louis C.K. said. Shared feelings, yeah. Robbie. We were just, I was just ego. reading you wrong. Imagine the ego on these fucking creeps. It's so, oh God, it makes me sick. It's pathetic too, because it's like, wow, you're just an incurable narcissist to think something that insane. Like that a f young female intern would come to your disgusting, wrinkled old ass's mansion and think that they want, they'd want to fuck you? Like even for an old man, he's like completely unsexy. Like he has zero sexuality. Like, I mean, it might be, it's one thing if you're like George Clooney or something, like an older man who's like good looking, but Charlie Rose has always been like a gross motherfucker. I mean, I've, so I've been gross. around Larry King several times and he really acts the same way. Like he'll like make very lewd comments to women who are like hot in the office. He'd mm -hmm. be like, man, how to like, like look at their ass and just like make a comment just openly in front of everyone because uh -huh. he's just that. He's in that exact same realm as Charlie Rose. Yeah. Like a totally Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe there's a same, Dude. a similar string of incidents with mm -hmm. him, and he's just not on CNN anymore, so it's not really going to matter if he's outed, you know. Um, but Louis C.K. We promised, or we 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 suspected on the last episode we did about this that it would be his time in the barrel soon. Sorry to paraphrase Roger Stone, but it and it is it was um, because right after we released our episode, there was news brewing and maybe it was already brewing at the time that there was an expose in the new york times about to come out about louis ck um and basically it just confirmed all the rumors that we had already known that he um he claims he asks women if it's okay to masturbate in front of them and he and he actually responded to it and said all these stories are true i and he claims he asked every time um, but yet he doesn't address the fact that like, I mean, even if that's true, let's say he did ask for permission in the, in the main story, which was two girls at a Montreal comedy festival coming up to his hotel room to smoke weed. Um, they thought he was joking. Right. Of course. And you're and He's again, a comedian. let me just say something really quick, like in a lewd comedy circle where you're just like, Oh man, I'm a fucking jerk off in front of you. Yeah. And like I can, I can imagine girls just being like, yeah, dude, go for it. Like just, ju I mean, you're comedians and you're yeah. super vulgar. Yeah, and he proceeded to do it, <laughs> and apparently they were like laughing the whole time and just like acting like uncomfortable. And he took, he completely got completely naked and just jerked That's off to the completion. Weird part. Which to me just shows that he's like not all there mentally. Um, you know, unless someone was really into you doing that, like really wanted to watch you do that, it just seems like a strange thing to do at all. Um, you know, even to masturbate in front of someone who like wasn't like fully down, it just seems like a very odd, you know, to get completely naked too. It's very strange. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, and, and he admits that, you know, he did all the things that he was accused of and, and he turned off several up and coming female comedians, like you said, from continuing their career trajectory in the scene, because they felt that if they talked too much about what had happened to them, their careers would be ruined. 
And his agent actually got involved to try to mediate one of these situations and ask him to start sp- spreading the rumors, which if someone's agent called me who was like super famous and I was trying to like climb the ladder in some kind of like comedy or entertainment scene, th- how would I interpret that? That's like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Like, we can ruin you. I mean, that's, I don't know exactly how the phone call went, but I mean, that's the message that it conveys. Even if it was a totally friendly phone call, why would your agent call, have your agent call someone that's accusing you of sexual harassment? The most disturbing part of the article was how he apologized years later to someone for a sexual assault he committed against something, someone else. Oh, yeah. He said, like, I'm sorry for, like, forcing you into the bathroom or something. And she was like, like no, you, no idea you actually jerked about. off on the phone with me. That was a different woman, Louis. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, just straight up to me, this is probably the worst thing he did. And it might not seem like it on the surface, but I think it's, like, just clear cut, you know, absolutely disgusting. Is he was working with um, uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox. They were producing a sitcom and one of the lead female actresses on the sitcom, he was a writer, while on set, he just walked up to her one day, and they had, like, no sexual chemistry, no, like, you know, flirt- they didn't have, like, a flirtatious rapport or anything, just whispering into her ear, like, I want to do all these, like, filthy things to you. I don't know exactly what he said. And then, like, come, would you come back to my office right now and, like, watch me jack off? Or in, my, in your dressing room. And she's just like, no. And she <laughs> almost quit... She almost pulled out of the entire production mm-hmm. because of that one incident. But then she decided, like, is it really worth it? I'm just going to keep doing yeah. it. It's just a really sad... So that's, oh, I mean, that's really fucked up, dude. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how I feel about him losing his Netflix or his FX contract and all that stuff. Like, I mean, I think he probably should be punished for it. We don't know the amount of damage that he's done, ripple effects through discouraging female comedians or whatever. Um but I don't know how I, I have mixed feelings about that. I think that punishment, you know, he has kids like, and I feel bad for his kids, you know? Um, and that's kind of where I am on it. And I still, out of all of these people, he's probably the one that I liked the most before, you know, that have been accused. Um, so I kind of find myself thinking, well, how, how severe should his punishment be? And I, I can't really say mm-hmm. it's, you can't, it's hard to judge, but I don't know how I feel about him losing all this work the same time like i have mixed feelings about it so it just yeah. sucks right but, it, but it, he, he fucked up he really i mean yeah he really did he made he made this situation right someone didn't lie about it the problem is that it was allowed to go on for so long i mean that that's, too, uh, yeah. that's that, the problem about all of these things is i feel like it could have been i agree with you i think that he caused the blow up by trying to run away from it yeah and then there's two more people before we get into Jordan Cheriton, but Jeffrey Tambor, the transparent lead actor, the guy from Arrested Development that I loved. I, again, I'm not surprised. This is another person who is way lower on the spectrum who was sexually lewd on set, um, assaulted two women, apparently went up and you know groped them and like shoved his dick into another one, um, transgender women who were surrounding him on set. And, and I think it's one transgender his co-star mm. and then a younger female co-star and said something like, man, I want to like, I don't even know, like said something inappropriate, acted inappropriate. And he actually stepped down from the next season of transparent. Um, and he vehemently denies the accusations and says that he's just like stunned, um, at people calling him a predator. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, when there's multiple people coming forward, like you can't discount how your actions made multiple women feel 
These women were offended. They felt unsafe. And, uh-huh. you know, I think that he made the right choice at the end of the day. He's he's leaving the show. And, I mean, he should have taken more responsibility for how his actions made women feel. But it was disappointing, again, to have another person that I really love. Yeah. And it's also more made even more disappointing because of all the virtue signaling type oh of stuff God, he did yeah. while playing this trans character. Where it's like he acted like it was such a struggle. And act like he is so understanding and, you know, like, but it's like, you're a, you're a man playing a trans character on a show. You're not trans. I don't know where you're getting this idea from that you're doing something so important. I mean, maybe people were inspired by the show. I'm not discounting that. It was probably, it is groundbreaking in some ways, but he's still a man who has not had to go through any of the struggles as a trans person and embodying this like character when he does press interviews. And it's like, dude. I feel like you're a little bit full. I mean, to say the least, a little bit full of yourself. Like I used to watch Jeffrey Tambor back in the day, and you know he's one of probably one of my favorite like character actors. So it was disappointing even before these allegations to see how head up his ass he was getting about this important mission that he felt like he had, and it to me it just came off as very phony. Like his ego was out of control, to be honest. So I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed because I loved him. Um, yeah, Hank on on Larry Sanders to me. Is, oh yeah, I totally forgot about Larry probably Sanders. Probably the Jesus. most, one of the best TV characters like of all time. Yeah, like a trad like, and his acting is incredible in that show. Oh my god! I mean, Larry Sanders. Um, if you could have won an Oscar for a TV show, like he should have, he should have easily won one. Like he, I mean, it, it's it's so. It I, is really sad when yeah. someone like this, you know, f- makes a huge fuck up. And just lets their fucking maniac, like, animalistic ego just, like, come to the surface and, like, just destroy their and they're own just, career. they just think that they're untouchable because they're the stars of these shows. Like, Kevin mm-hmm. Spacey to Jeffrey Tambor to Charlie Rose. It's like, dude, you cannot treat women like this. Yeah. You can't treat men like this. You can't treat human beings like this. And even if you're disgusting. in... disgusting. Even if you're in an industry of where you your job is to have sex... Like yeah, James exactly. Dean. Exactly. And talk about Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Well, so we were t- mentioning James Dean on the last episode, how, you know, out of all the porn stars, you know, only James Dean really has had this many accusers come out and say, he raped me. This motherfucking creep who, I'm sorry, but he is a fucking piece of shit porn star. He looks he always super has creepy been. too. He's like the clean He's cut terrible. looking guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, as far as male porn stars go, like, I don't ever want to fucking see him on screen. He's gross. I'd rather see any other porn star on screen than him. Like I always, I've always felt that way. <laughs> Ron Jeremy, probably the most famous like household name porn star ever, has been recently in this Me Too moment. Old allegations that have already piled up that no one cared about before um, have been re- have been sort of brought up again now um, that he has actually raped um, a fellow couple. I think at least one very believable incident where he raped a fellow porn star on a vacation and um his only defense was well she was my friend i didn't know it was possible to like rape a friend something like that so he's already been accused of raping another porn star like not on a movie set um but this is something he has admitted to and this is something that he thinks is okay is like pulling out a girl's breast or groping their tits without asking like at these adult conventions where he's doing signatures, which, you know, to maybe certain people might be like, well, you're getting a signature from on Jeremy. Like he's going to grab your tit and sign it. Okay. Okay. Maybe, 
you know, may, I could maybe see that in certain circumstances, but still groping a woman's tit without her permission, even if you're getting a signature from an adult film star, that shouldn't you shouldn't expect to just be groped without permission, obviously. No. But he also would insert his fingers into the vaginas of his fans during the, like, without oh, their permission. Disgusting. So to me, that, you know... Yes, groping a woman's tit without her permission, that's awful. You shouldn't do it. But sticking your fingers inside her permission, I mean, that is pretty much rape. I mean, that's that that's like you're taking it to a whole other level. And he thinks that's okay. Uh, luckily, other people from the industry are trying to get him banned from these conventions now, even though he's their biggest uh, sales, Ugh. ticket sales guy. When he's on the flyer for the convention, that's how they get their ticket sales. He's the most famous adult actor. It sickens me that people somehow are lessening these allegations because people work in the sex industry or porn industry. I mean, it should almost be taken more seriously. That's what this woman yeah, was saying. Exactly. I listened to this great. So there's this Daily Beast article um, where, she, yeah, she's basically going through and explaining what you just said. That if you're in the adult industry, you should almost take these more seriously. You know, and because and, I'm going to a porn convention, I deserve to be, be get raped by yeah, or Ron even Jeremy. Or even why is it that adult stars who accuse people of rape aren't taken seriously? Mm-hmm. Like they, in my opinion, and maybe people will disagree. With it, I think it should be taken more seriously because they understand the intricacies and the nuances of consent, rough sex, you know, BDSM, all that kind of stuff. So they would know for sure if someone is <laughs> breaking consent, right? Yeah. That's pretty. So it's almost like more clear in their industry than it would be like in someone who's like less sexually mm-hmm, experienced, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So that's why it's so important to take their voices seriously as well. Um, and yeah, John, that's that's really gross. I mean, I wasn't a fan of Ron Jeremy before, but that's that sucks that yeah. he does that. I always hated him, and now I just hate him even more. Yeah. Now I just and there's plenty of male porn stars who I think have actually like moved the needle in a positive way sexually. I mean, like. You know, I'm not, I, and I don't want to like name any of them because maybe they, you know, I don't want, maybe they'll in the future be accused of sexual assault. But like, there's like male porn star from the 80s who like popularized like the idea of like transsexual porn. And he's like done some really groundbreaking work. Um, and as far as I know, he hasn't been accused of sexual assault. So there's like, you know, there's a lot of like people doing good things in the adult industry. But yeah, it sucks when like Saran Jeremy's been doing this for so long, like nobody's tried to like out him before and really put him through the ringer. Well, we're going to wrap it up by talking about Jordan Cheriton um, and without getting too much into the case because it is extremely convoluted and there are multiple people now saying different things. But I think it all comes down to, look, Jordan's done great work and nothing really takes away from the great work that he's done. However, where you use your status to try to fuck women and kind of were a little bit of a creep, right? And um, and women felt uncomfortable with your behavior. But I, I don't understand this interchangeable language, which is calling what he did rape and sexual assault without... I, I haven't, like, seen that yet to really feel comfortable being like, yeah, that, that was rape or that was sexual assault. So that's where this story becomes very murky, similar to the Jamie Kilsting thing. It's like when it comes down to it, what exactly did they do other than be creepy, use their position to get laid you know, in a, in a creepy way that was like unprofessional. So it's just interesting, again, throwing out these people akin to Louis C.K. And then there's mm-hmm. Jordan Cheriton and then there's this person. It's like, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater and just say like everyone's in the same boat. There are very distinct differences. Yes, it was, it was wrong. Yes, there's definitely women who, who I believe that felt uncomfortable with his behavior. But, but 
like you were saying, um, I, you know, it doesn't mean that he raped anyone. I'm not saying he did or didn't. I just have not seen that yet to feel comfortable being like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched the accusers almost two long, two hour long interview on the Tim, on the Tim Black show. And I'm, you know, 99.9% of the time take accusers, um, you know, at face value. Um, and up until I watched it, I really believed her story, but I hate to say that it, it's hard for me to say that I did not find her very credible when I watched the interview. I just didn't. Um, and that was my gut reaction. I watched, I mean, I watched it, I rewound parts of it where there was sort of the key details. And I mean, I do think it's possible. It's one of those rare circumstances where she has regretted, um, what she got involved in. But at the same time, it is borderline predatory for someone to bring on these very young, still in college. She basically dropped out of college to join this bullshit organization. I mean, I don't really know what kind of work Truth Against the Machine has done, but I've never heard of them. And they have this big of a team. Like, what are they doing? I mean, it just seems bizarre. And to like, like say, like, I'm going to get you famous. I, can, yeah. I know this person. I know this person. It's just like gross behavior yeah, that's in not, general. It, that is gross behavior. It's weird, like egomaniac, horseshit, like fame whore. I mean, I do think Jordan got it, let it get to his head, you know. And let's face it, man, anyone could have been. Do- I mean, I'm not saying what you did was poor quality work. You did good work coming through the emails, but anyone could have done that. Anyone could have done what you were doing in terms of how you got famous. Your work on Flint. And Standing Rock was good, but that's not how you got popular. You gain popularity by basically doing what H.A. Goodman does. And that's and it's funny because now it's like obvious that H.A. and Jordan are like, you know, jealous rivals or whatever, more H.A. to Jordan, but probably just because they were the two guys who were making YouTube like videos every few hours, like during the peak of the Podesta and DNC email leaks, the only two guys really doing that. So, I mean, like, I guess... You know, maybe if I got famous doing that, I would see myself as an important enough journalist to hire a team of people. But man, I, I would take to me, it would take a lot longer in my career, or like my buildup of being a journalist, to think I could do that. To hire a bunch of interns to like do what? I don't know. Yeah, and just, just like, seem the like Jamie- very much groundwork or legacy of yours to begin with to like build up to that point. It's odd. It seems very egotistical to me. And the idea of being a predator, I think, is there's a, sp- a huge spectrum with that too. I mean if you're manipulating women into sleeping with you and trying to use your fame into manipulating them into sleeping with you, I think you've already crossed into like borderline predatory behavior. Um, but sadly that is, I think oh my God. kind of the norm, even in journalism. I mean, indie journalism, oh my God. so many of these people are not in it for the right reasons. Oh my God. And it's so easy to become like a clickbait, like famous indie journalist, like within a very short time period so people in general, I think just any normal person, they it's very easy to let like even a little bit of tiny bit of fame get to your head and kind of turn you into a monstrous person really fast. It's like you really measure, you really understand the true nature of a man with what that man does with power. And that's kind of like what happens in a lot of circumstances. Like you give them a little bit of power and you really see like the true face of some of these people. It's like they get a little bit of fame and they just go off the rails and kept playing like party, you know, like, oh, let's, you know, let's fucking just like mm-hmm. have drinks every night. We're not going to really be journalists. We're just going to party and I'm just going to try to fuck people. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, and everybody needs to blow off steam, but I do feel like instead of you like 
blowing off steam that way, a lot of these people are in it for that reason. Right, that's the problem. Yeah. And it becomes about that instead of about the work. Um, yeah. Which I, is like how it is in a lot of, I mean, it's like, you know, music scene is a similar thing. It's it's not uncommon, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. It, it really is. And I haven't heard the interview from that woman, but um, I have seen kind of the Twitter fallout and Jenks statement and, I mean, yeah, and he's been fired from TYT, but not because of the allegations. Um, it's because of an internal investigation that Chank conducted around the time of these allegations that they were basically funneling TYT's money into their own organization and, you know, having sexual relations with their employees, you know, which is enough, I think, to fire someone. Yeah, and it was like a discrepancy between if the money was being used from that $2 million fundraiser to, like, do side projects with the yeah whatever against the machine and these hotel rooms that we're having these big orgies in. So, unfortunately, I read that really descriptive graphic account of the group sex, bef- which preempted everything else, and so I feel like I regret um, reading that, and I regret that being put out there before, like, kind of... I guess he wanted to get out there before before the story came out, but unfortunately, I, I feel like looking back on it, it didn't make him look that good. No, it was like it almost seemed like braggy, where he no. was like, "Yeah, like, what do you call it?" it no, you know, it's just like just being a creep. It's just creepy. Yeah, but I mean, what, what Jordan is. did, it is um, kind of creepy and you know weird and wrong. But it's like if a bunch of people are drunk and in a hotel, and things start to get like sexual, you know, between two people. And then, like, a third person joins in and a fourth person joins in. I mean, I could see how things get more murky mm-hmm, in terms of mm-hmm. consent, when, especially when people are mm-hmm. intoxicated. So, like, it does seem like he just, I mean, he made a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it's rape. So Right. Right. Yeah. And then, I mean. But, I mean, it just goes to show if you want to get down with multiple partners or whatever, like, you, it's like this type of stuff needs to be, like, super transparent and, like, adult-like talked about and discussed and like can like sort of set up do it in a mature and adult fashion there are ways to do like Mm -hmm. it just does to me that's just like a very like high school like college dorm bullshit kind of behavior like a drunk like an alcohol filled it's just so hard for me to see the situation without putting my own bias in front of being a woman who has dealt with predatory men my entire life like literally every single job every single um professional relationship every single colleague like i see the dynamics play out every time so i just can't even fathom running an organization like i have been for the past 10 years preying on young men yeah 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 you know it's just it's just so and looking at it in that way like there is zero like it's just so crazy to me because i am a woman looking at it so it's just different um so yeah, um, someone was asking, you know, how to, what's the best way to get into journalism and how difficult it is and stuff. And I was just thinking, looking at the spectrum right now, get in, if you want to be like a total, you, being in right wing media means that you can literally do whatever you want, say whatever you want with new, no repercussions and get paid a shitload of money. So if you're a total hack with no moral compass, um, that's the route that you should take is jump right into Mercer's pocket. But if you want to be a good journalist who is on the right side of history and who does long form investigations that will meaningfully impact uh, the the history of our country, then just understand that it's not it doesn't come easy and you're not going to get paid. And 
right away necessarily. And um, I was interviewing Rosa Clemente, who's an incredible organizer. She ran with Cynthia McKinney in 2008. I voted for her. She's she's fantastic. But I was asking her, like, what advice do you have for people who want to get into politics and want to be engaged? She was like, look, the most important thinkers and revolutionaries and figures in history have never been adorned on the front of a magazine cover. They've never had... They've never been on TV. Yeah. They've never been praised. What, it's, you mean D-Ray is not a revolutionary? <laughs> it's the underrated people who understand the fight and the struggle, and it doesn't come with lavish praise, and it doesn't come with adulation, and it's not going to come with lifting you up and putting you in the mainstream media. Yeah. It never has, and it never will. And if you are, you're probably doing something wrong. So look forward to a life of, of being really close with the people who are like not given the praise that they should be because that's the circles that mean the most. Exactly. Yeah. Again, I just want to wrap it up by saying uplift the people that you know are true, uplift each other's voices. Um, and someone also told me duck go, go is like another alternative to Google that is not censoring or ranking content. So I'm going to start using that. I would recommend people to start using that search engine instead of Google. And um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for listening and donating to Media Roots Radio. It was really great to to get these episodes out while I was up here, Robbie. Yeah, please um, check out our Patreon page. We could really use your support. Um, we are still trying to reach our goal, and once we do, um, we will be releasing four episodes per month, even though we've kind of been ramping them up a little more in general just to kind of give you guys a taste of what it'll be like if we're actually releasing four episodes per month. Um, and we've gotten a lot of really good feedback so far and we just really wanted to thank from the bottom of our hearts all of our Patreon donors um, it means a lot and uh, thanks for listening and have a great day